Hello, my name is Thomas Le Huang and I'm here interviewing Kim Burke, who is the sales manager for Wisebury Heritage on the Central Coast in Australia. Hi Kim, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Well, Kim, we've known each other for a long while, don't we? Yes. Uh, how long was that? Fifteen and a half years. Uh, who's been counting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still remember when I first trained you, you were just one of these people in the room. It was a packed room and I could see a very stressed and, and maybe scared young lady and have a look at it now. Not only you have won awards year in year out as a manager, but you have, I mean, achieved an amazing success and I want our people to really know. But first of all, can you just tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, I'm 34 years old. I started in real estate when I was 18. I actually have two kids now. Um, obviously, I didn't have any kids when I first started. Yep. So, um, how old are they? They're five and two. Right. We actually have just finished building on the waterfront at Lake Macquarie. Only now. Yeah. You told me that uh, it was supposed to be finished last year. Well, it did, but we're still finishing. <laughs> 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 the the joys of building. <laughs> oh God. Never ends. Oh Never God. ends. But we're just in the process of putting a pool in. Right. So it's not finished. Oh, you didn't take the pool that you bought your husband for his birthday with you? That was in the other house. Yeah, you left it there. Yeah, we left it there. So he lost his present? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but he can get it again. Yeah, all right. Besides real estate, you've never done anything else? Apart from working at Best and Less and Miller's a clothes shop, no. Okay, so, so what got you to think that real estate was for you? Back when I was a little kid growing up, my dad... Um, lived around display homes and every second weekend I actually went and visited him and I wanted to walk through all the display homes and I said one day I'm going to sell these. Oh, wow. When I was 16 years old. Wow, okay. And so how did you get in there? Did you knock on doors? Did you approach Darren? Did you know Darren? I did know Darren. I actually played netball with his wife Renee. Yes. And um, I, mum told me that they were actually looking for someone to do the hard yards and I wanted to obviously get a foot in the door so I went and had an interview with Darren's dad, yeah. George, yeah. and um, was successful um, to start my career in real estate as a benchy. What is a benchy? Just doing the hard yards by phone prospecting, door knocking, letterbox dropping, putting the signs up. So how many Phone calls would you do on a daily basis as an um, 18 year old back in those days? 250. 250 phone calls you'd make a day? Per day. No, that's not talking to people though? Yes, speaking to people. Speaking to people? Speaking to people, yeah. So I used to start at 8 o'clock yep. and I used to finish between 7 and 7.30. Wow. <laughs> this is good because you know I actually I'm gonna get some of my people to listen to this because when they're going to be complaining about the fact that you know I can't do more than 30 in a day I'm gonna actually get them to listen to you is it possible what is it now 15 years ago you could ma actually make those phone calls but is it possible to do 250 today if you put your head down bum up yes right I see so why is it so hard then for so many of our offices and teams to get their people to even doing 100 in a day now? I think it's planning. Obviously, back 15 years ago, we didn't have as much technology as what we have now. So we didn't have the Facebook, we didn't have the Instagram. Um, we probably didn't get as many emails as what we get now. So I think time takes away from the activity. Right. Um, but it also comes back to planning. 
if you actually plan it right and having goals. If you've got goals that you want to achieve, you'll do whatever it has to to actually get them. And so what was your first goal back in those days, if you can remember? <clears throat> it was actually buying a car. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a little buzz box that um, was a two-door car. Obviously, I wanted to get into sales and I wanted to sell. So with a two-door car, you can't take out people. So I wanted to then go and get a brand, and I wanted a brand new one. Yeah. Um, because I never had a brand new car before. And yeah, so that was my first goal to Oh wow, that's amazing. Now, how tough was the beginning as tough. a young lady? Tough, yeah, I'd say pretty tough. What was the toughest part? Making the decision whether or not I was going to give up my sport to take away my career. Uh, can you elaborate on that? So I was a rep representative netball player. Right. Well, what is a rep? That's someone who plays a bit better than Play, the school ones, isn't it? Yeah, just a little bit better. <laughs> no, no, I'm just asking a question so, because I, I, don't, I don't even know what rep is. What's the difference between rep and division one? So, so it's actually representing the, like an academy. Right, I see. Yeah. So it was whether or not I wanted to give up that and to focus on where I wanted to go in my career or whether or not I just wanted to be the average blow and just make it happen. So, 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 how did you go through that um, decision-making process? Can you share with me? I sort of had to eliminate, obviously, growing up, my mum was a single mum. And um, she gave us what she could give. And looking at it in life, I didn't want, I wanted my kids to have maybe a little bit more than what mum could provide. Right. So, I, I weighed up that option of going, okay, well, we wanted to have multiple properties and we wanted to have money, so we didn't have to have that stress. So that was in the back of my mind. And I also wanted to be able to help out my mum um, in the future and um, to be able to benefit her from, you know, helping us. Okay, so there was a little bit have. of sense of sacrifice, but also a little bit of that, that fear of not ending up in the same way. Yes. Right, I see. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to now tough. What aspect was tough? What aspect of, of real estate was tough then for you? Obviously making sure that I did the numbers because obviously the more people you spoke to, the more results that you're going to get out of. Right. Um, so making sure that I did that on a day-to-day basis because I wanted my career to be long-term, not short-term. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously the more people that knew who I was, yeah. I was hoping that long-term in my career because I knew that I wanted to do it for a long time that it was going to benefit and I didn't have to work harder in, you know, 10, 20 years time. Any tears back in those days? I mean... Every day. <laughs> I think. Maybe twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> any, any thought about quitting back in those days? Yeah, I actually went to quit five times. Right. And obviously... My boss, Darren and George, knew my goals that I wanted to achieve and they talked me around the five times. Right. So I had five written notices to actually walk in to, to resign, but they could see the potential in me, which I couldn't. And sometimes you need somebody else to see that to actually make you drive to the next, next so, and spot. And so what were the reasons for the uh, notices? It just got tough trying to do the numbers. Okay, so um, it was getting, the numbers. Getting knocked back. Obviously, being 18 years old, you don't really know, you don't have life experiences, um, you don't know how people treat you out there. So just being able to bounce back 
at I suppose a younger age was a little bit harder for me because I was that quiet person with obviously self-esteem yeah. that I sort of didn't have. I yes. was probably a little bit naive when I was younger, so I didn't really know much. So how can someone who's got that low self-esteem and take rejection maybe a bit personal, how did you overcome that? I mean, how come there was not a six notice? So I suppose the more that I got knocked back, the more that I could actually realise how to deal with it. And obviously walking in and crying when I did get knocked back with, with certain ways that people would deal with you, you sort of got to grow from that. And obviously the people that you surround yourself around also help that bounce back as well. Okay, the, the people like uh, the George and the Darren, the George, or is it the Darren. mother? And, um, and, and mum and also um, my partner at the time. Um, yep. which is now my husband. Yeah, we um, just want to precise that very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's obviously the people who, you know, you go home and, you know, mum asks how your day is and, you know, you go and tell her and she just tells you to stop crying and move on. It, um, it's that resilience that... So you um, didn't have a mother that felt sorry for you? No, and I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> So back in those days, what was, what was the toughest thing you had to do, if you can remember? Well, the toughest thing that I actually had to do was put up a for sale sign. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> as much as people might not think that, I was, you know, a little girl. Yep. Um, so I wasn't hammering in hard enough. So then Darren would drive past and they'd fall down, so I'd have to go back and put it back up. Right. Um, that was probably the, the toughest toughest part because I wasn't strong. He got you to do that? Yeah. Couldn't he find a male just to go and hammer those things in? There's no difference between males and females. We should all be able to do the same thing. So you had a cruel boss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that. Now, you went from that young lady who started, then you got into sales. Yeah. Now, what, was, what would be your highest number of listings in a month? If you can't remember that, what would be your average? My average listings per month would be 10. Okay. And again, in that to me, it's, it's crazy. Um, I, I, I always look at number of listing as the measure of a really successful agent because that's, that's the win. That's a number of races they've gone against competition in one, yep. not just the dollars. Because if you happen to work in a very expensive area, well, dollars is easy, right? What, what, about, what about sales? What would be your average? Average is around about eight. Wow. And, and, and your, I think you, your success came pretty much instantly. Uh, I, I remember you, you got into sales and then almost instantly you, you went to those levels. What was that? What was the key to an instant success, if you will? Hard work. I was an agent that pretty much worked 24 hours, seven days a week. Right. Because I wanted to have the instant success and the drive that you've got for it. So as soon as you start to get in, it get, you get hungry. Right. And, and if you've got the goals to back it, you've got to have goals in real estate. Otherwise, there's no point. And the hunger for it when you achieve those goals, it just makes you want to do more. Right. I, I guess you've been very fortunate, if I can see it, that is that George and Darren, from early in the beginning, made sure that you set goals and you got them. Yeah. And they almost got you to have that goal-driven imprint and then so afterwards, I didn't have to do much. Your goals were driving you. Yep. All right. So tell us now, you, you went for a top salesperson and then what's next? 
We, we wanted to buy a property. Yep. So we, um, me and my husband bought our first house at 18 years old. Wow, yep. And started our portfolio that um, we wanted to start building and then we sort of went from there and kept buying and buying and buying. We built our dream home. So I started in 2004. Yep. And we built our dream home in 2007. Yep. Um, and had a couple of little investment properties that, um, that we still have. And then we started to build the bank with money as well to be able to then go and do what we wanted to do. Yeah, so not only you were buying a few houses, I think you were buying houses like people go out and buy bread, I heard. Yeah, every time my husband got a pay rise, we went and bought another house, so he wouldn't <laughs> tell me when, we go, when he got a pay rise the next time. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> but also, like, I, I remember you, you'd go out and then go on many vacations each year. Yes. And I remember, I think you bought your husband for his, was it birthday or for the wedding anniversary, his car? You bought him a car? Bought him a car, yes. What's in it? Wedding anniversary? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. And then you built his swimming pool that was for his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Why not just a, I don't know, a little bottle of perfume or maybe a little toy? I mean, those are big toys, big expenses. Yeah, but you've got to have big goals. What's the point in living? But some people would say that's a little bit materialistic. If you want it, it's a goal. That drove you. That drove us. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. Now, you've been a manager. Yes. So what was the... When did Darren tap you on the shoulder to becoming a manager? After five years, four years. Right. Four years. So I, I started helping out with his training, got to a point where I thought that I could do it better. <laughs> so I actually said to him that I wanted to start to do some training with the team so I could prove to him that I was the next manager to, to come along. And I suppose when he's been doing it for a long time you sort of do the same things which is really good but sometimes when you're also training yourself it also helps yourself yes as well so i thought taking that next step to to prove to him that i was better than the manager that we had at that time was to actually just take on a little bit more responsibility for myself to and also to help the team and to help the company as well right i see so in in, in some ways you manufactured the position yeah and, and then you just said there was another manager. So is there a bit of a sense of competition or disloyalty in you then? No. No, I just thought that I didn't necessarily want to take his, his job. I wanted to help him. Right. Because I like to help people and I like to help people underneath. And um, just the loyalty that I've got to Darren, I also wanted to help him as well just in case they wanted to move on. Okay. So you became manager and I know that... You've been a multi-award winning manager. You've won how many times now? The sales manager of the year? Five. Five times, yeah. So what's your recipe for success as a manager? First of all, uh, the recipe. And then secondly, like, you have a bunch of men. Yeah. Much older than you that you had to run, right? Yeah. That, that has to be a bit difficult. Plus, they've been around you. They've seen you probably cry. Yep. So they know which button to push. Yep. I mean, I mean, that's tough, yep. you know? So do you want to tell us a little bit about this? So it, um, it comes down to if you show, people will follow. And I was a, a good producer. I always would work hard and they could see that. So if they did see me crying, they know that I was passionate about it and that we wanted to, to help them succeed as well. It comes back, back to if you work hard, the rest will follow because okay. they can see it. And that, I think that's what leadership is. Right. 
because the harder you work, the more people will follow. It has to be more than that. You can't just be leading people from the front for that long. Yep. No, I mean, that has to be something else. It's inspiration, inspiring them to do, make sure that they've got goals. Obviously, I am very goal orientated, and once you know what some people want, you can help them achieve that too. So just breaking it down to what they need to do to achieve their goals. Okay, so you work from their position. Yes. Okay, then you got married. You had a first child. Yes. You took off for how long? We got married in 2007. Yep. And we actually had Logan at 2000, in 2014. Right. So there was a little gap between then because we wanted to set ourselves up. So if I didn't want to go back to work, then you know, there was that flexibility there to be able to provide without you know, worrying and stress about money. Yep. That didn't really last long because I had Logan and was back in three months because I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose you miss the drive and the passion of it when you're away for a little time. But then you had your second one. Yes, but, but three, took a, a, a three years. Three years. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's your recipe for lasting that long in real estate, though? Goals, passion. Goals give you passion, or passion is so, something totally di- separate from goals. I, I think if you if you've got got the passion in the goals that you really want. So you've got to actually have goals that, that inspire you to actually get up in the morning to go to work. What, what if someone said to you, I can't find inspiring goals? There has to be. There's, there's a goal, whether or not it's short term or long term, there's a goal that everybody wants in life. Whether or not it'll be money, whether or not it'll be houses, be holidays, whether or not you want to give to charity, you want to help family out, or whether or not it's just a ring on your finger. Everyone has a goal that they want to achieve, whether or not it's actually paying back debt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how, how do they find it then? I mean, obviously then it means that they haven't worked hard enough to look for it. No, I think they just need to, to think about what they want, what they want in life, because everybody's obviously around for a reason. So deep down, you just need to think about where you want your life to become, whether or not you want to retire at 20, 30, or whether or not you want to be working until you're 80 years old. There's a goal somewhere in between there that actually makes you wake up and drive to go to work in the morning. What's your next goal? Well, we're in the process of putting putting in a pool. Yep. Um, but we also want to go and buy a couple of more investment properties for, for our kids because obviously they're young. And by the time they be able to get into the market, it's probably going to be a little bit out of reach for them. So start their portfolio off. Right. And my mum has retired and she does a lot for us with, um, with the boys. So also helping her and my husband's parents in life as well so they can retire hopefully soon. Mm, so your goal's very much attached to helping others. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Now, how do you juggle being a young mother with two children? How do you juggle with real estate and managing people? I wouldn't be able to do it without family and support from my husband. My husband, back early now in my career, I used to come home and he'd ask me what if I made a sale and if I didn't, I had to go back to work. You what? (laughs) That's not a husband, I I like that recipe. (laughs) So I actually now have my five-year-old that says the same thing. It comes down to you've got to make sure that you have the support behind you to be able to do real estate. Real estate is a 24-hour, seven days a week thing if you want it to be. It doesn't have to be, but I think it comes down to the more goals that you've got and the more people that you've got supporting you behind the scenes, the easier your career is in real estate. 
Right. Let, let me just think about this. So what you're talking about is we need a good support team. But the support team doesn't have to be about making you feel good. No. The support team has to be about a bunch of people who are really driving you towards the accomplishment of your goals. Yep. And sometimes they're going to be asking you tough questions. Mm -hmm. They're going to make you feel uncomfortable. Yep. That's what you're saying. Yes. It's about the resilience as well. Like you come home and, and everybody has, has a win sometimes about their day at work. It's not letting them agree with you. They listen and you get off your chest and they tell you to move on. And I suppose that's the best part of having association with people that want you to succeed or people that don't. And the people that want you to succeed and further in your career yep. is going to tell you those, those tough, tough, hard questions to get back up on the horse and keep going. Wow. Okay. Anything else besides a support group around you? I think it's just being there when the clients want you to. What about life balance? Yep. And you can't just be there whenever they want you. I mean, you have a life, you have two children. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's going to be mothers thinking about joining real estate, listening to us. Yes. And some of them are going to say, no, I don't want to be like that woman. I, I, you know, if I have my two children at day five and two, there is a life with them too. Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm at home, I'm at home. What does that mean? I mean, you said just two minutes ago, 24 seven. Does it mean that you're not taking calls then? I do, I do switch off. So I make phone calls on the way home and make sure that we finish up for the day. As soon as I walk into the door, I obviously the boys come running at me and then that's their time. So we have dinner, we sit down, they go to bed and then I can actually start to do some other stuff that I need to do behind the scenes when people don't need to speak to you. You know, doing ads, planning for the next day, ticking off the goals, making new ones, sitting down having a chat with my husband about his job and his goals. Because obviously when you're a family, it's not just yourself that you need to look at. The boys, they've got their goals. You know, as much as people realise that, you know, kids are kids, they still want things as well. So we sit down, obviously not with the, with the two-year-old, but with Logan, our five-year-old. He has goals that he wants to achieve and um, things that he wants in life too. Can you just tell me a normal day? What, what is a normal day for you? So I wake up in the morning, I go and do a little bit of exercise. What time? 5.30. Yep. I come home, get the boys ready to go to Nance. Yep. And um, to school. Um, so we have breakfast, get them dressed, take them off to school. On the way to work, I make a couple of phone calls to either some clients, some people that I associate with, um, leaders in, in our franchise. Yep. That we have a bit of a chat on the way to work to get in. Um, and at what time do you get to work then? I, at the, at the moment, I used to get in a lot earlier, but obviously um, school drop-offs and, yep. and that is obviously gets a little bit later as the kids get a little bit older. Yep. At the moment, I get in at quarter to eight. Mm -hmm. um, we do training with the team at eight o'clock, go through obviously what we need to train on yep. and where we need to go for the day. And then at nine o'clock, we get into what needs to happen for the day. And you go out, you list, you sell, you list, run your own sell. team. Yep. And then what time do you shut off? All going well, all depending on the clients, because obviously some clients work nine to five, so you do have to go and see them a little bit later. So I would normally start to drive home on, on a good day at 6.30. Okay, but your children, they finish school much earlier? Yes. So, uh, so somebody else now is, has picked them up? Yep, so my mum goes and picks them up from school at three o'clock. Yep. Um, goes around and does their sports and comes home. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> okay. So as, as I said previously, you need to have that support 
But in saying that, if there's something important that I need to go to with the boys, I will go. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so it's just juggling. Obviously, they want things in, in life as well. And, you know, they want to go on holidays and they want to go away in our caravan and things like that. So they they get to understand that mum and dad have to go to work. Yeah. And when we're at work, we're at work. And when we're at home with them and they're awake, we're at home with them. Right. So what, what do you say to those people who would say, uh, well, you know, the time with children is about quantity, not just quality. Yeah, I look at things a little bit different. Okay. Obviously, in the life that we're coming into and the generation that we're coming into, all the young people these days want materialistic things. Without money and goals and life experience, they're not going to get that. So we're trying to teach our, our children that um, it's sometimes not all about quality, and quantity, you sort of got to have that balance. Um, and they understand when we when we do go to work, they get things as well. We we go overseas once a year, and we go away in our caravan, and that's the difference between showing them the difference of luxury holidays and you know in a caravan park. So you sort of get the bo- best of both worlds, and um, you know the sometimes the be- the best things in life are the things that the kids remember. Yeah. And sometimes it's not that five star hotel; it is that caravan park because obviously there's more adventures for young kids. Yeah. But they also need to see how you work hard for it too. Yeah, I understand. So you're not just about quality or quantity; you're also about sacrifices and compromise. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that children actually do do learn. I've been doing now a few podcasts where I hear this about the same thing. You know, I hear about my parents work so hard and, and, and they have sacrificed and, and I've seen what they've gone through and I, I don't want to um, struggle the way they did and all these things. And, and I think that sometimes really the way that parents lead their life are probably the best form of education yes. for their own children. Yep. Best example, isn't it? And I, I think that comes from my mum as well. Yes. Um, she was a single parent. She did work hard. And when she was home, she was home. So I, I suppose I learnt that trait from her. Yes. But also from Darren and George. Um, I look at them as family and because I had been around them for a long, long, long time. And the traits that they teach you as well with association, you can actually learn a lot from that too. Mm-hmm. So Kim, what would be five tips that you would give young mothers thinking about getting into real estate today? The, the five tips that I would give is the harder you work early in your career, yes. the easier it is long term. Right. So you might be pounding out the numbers and getting to know a lot of people short short term, but it does make the journey easier. Yeah, you, what you're talking about is like the, the, the start of a career should be on turbo. That's right, you yes. You have to give it everything. Yeah. But that's yeah. a little bit hard because if you have children, quite often I've seen people whose children said, you're no longer uh, spending enough time around me, you're, you're, you know, the dinner's not done. I mean, what, what do you say? I mean, how can I go turbo when on the other side I've got that kind of guilt being imposed on me? Yeah, so the second tip that I've got yes. is having supportive people around you. Right. So making sure that, yes, they're not forgotten about, but get them to enjoy the journey with you so then they can actually help as well. I remember back early in my, my career, my husband, if I didn't come home with a sale, he'd turn around and we'll go back to work. Right. And yes, that's tough, but I actually now have my five-year-old that, um, that says the same thing because they've been there on the journey with me. 
So the more people that you surround yourself around that's supportive with you, that get you going in and, and can see the end result is a lot more helpful for you too. Right, so supportive people for you are not the people who make you feel good, they're the people who just make you realize you, you're, you're standing in front of a gold mine, keep digging. That's right, well, well both. Yep. Because obviously when you come home with those sales, they pat you on the back. Yeah. But if, the, if you don't, then you've got to go back out and start to dig the trenches. Yeah, but when you come back with the winches, what do they do? Pat you on the back as well? No, they tell me to get up and move on. <laughs> yeah, so what would be the next tip? Well, the vehicle in real estate, obviously, the sky's the limit. Right. So you can do anything you put your mind to, no matter if you're a young mum, you're single, you're married, you've got the vehicle, it can take you anywhere in life. Real estate can, can give you the world if you want it. Do you remember one of the first things that I said in, in rec our recruit training was to our young ladies? I said, these days, don't worry about the boys and the men because they, they won't look after you, right? These days, so easy to just get into relationship and get out of relationship that as a young lady, we should really look at building our own wealth. That's right. So that we rely on no one That's in the right. future. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that you've you've been doing that very well. So you created not not that there's anything wrong with Dean. I think that Dean is a fantastic partner. But we are not always that lucky. No. I think you've also got to look at um, which is, which is the next tip the the life that real estate can actually give you for your family. You know the trips, the no money stress. You know, if you work hard, it is very, very rewarding for, yep. for yourself and also your family and your kids. Yep. And the next tip is that the harder you work, you know, my generation that's coming through, unfortunately, I think what the age is now that, you know, we can retire at 80, maybe 85, who knows what it's going to be, it could be 100. Yep. So when you're working in real estate, you can actually set your retirement up early. So, you know, we're in the position, me and my husband at the moment, that we've got that choice and we're, we're sitting at 34 years old. And not that we're ready, but, you know, we don't want to be working until we're 80 or 90 or maybe 100 or depends on when the government want to change the retirement age. Right. You've got the life to, to, to set it up, to nice. do what you want. Very nice. Now, Kim, would you, if you had to redo real estate, would you... Do it again? Would I do it again or yeah. change anything that I've done? Would you change anything that you've done? No. Okay. Now, I just want to ask you something. You are a firm believer in doing the hard yards. Yes. And when you first started management, I, I could see that you were a firm believer, you know, the hard road that I've been through, you have to go through as well. I have noticed how hard you were on your people. Was it right? Was it wrong? And, and, and have you changed your mindset from then? Obviously, there's no right and no wrong. It's how people bounce back. When you start and you get put through what you've gone through and you can see how successful that it actually happens, you want people to feel the same way. But unfortunately, not everybody, which I've had now have learned, not everybody works like that. I suppose I did get a little bit softer when I had um, had my boys. So obviously, life experience, you know, and with the two boys, they're both totally different, so you've got to actually treat them different. Who's the um, soft one? The soft out of my boys, yep. Logan. Oh, really? Yeah. So the other, the other one was a carbon copy of you, is it? 
Maybe. Well, oh, he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Logan's very stubborn, pretty similar to me. Yeah. But, um, but it, you know, he's got my emotional side of it. So, yeah, so I sort of learnt, obviously, when Logan was born, that sometimes it's not the hard grind that people have in them. And obviously having two different boys, it then teaches, teaches you again that not everybody is the same. But until I went through that emotion, it was sort of like everybody's got to do what I've got to do. What made you change? Because I, I still remember the number, the numerous conversation we've had together where I said, Kim, they're not you. Yeah. I think this stubbornness in you was really working very hard at trying to prove me wrong. Yes. So at some stage, you have changed, and I've noticed yeah. that. So what was that? It's I not just the boys. I mean, at work, yeah. you must have seen, I mean, did you fire like 60,000 people before you realised that maybe that doesn't work that way or what? Look, I, I suppose it comes with growing and leadership and learning. Obviously, back when I first started in management, I didn't know as much as what I did now. Yep. Yes, we have, you know, seen a lot of people come and go in real estate. Some people, you know, have gone to, to other companies that still aren't successful. So you sort of look and go, is it their avenue? Is it they're not? But um, I suppose the more learning that you actually do as well in leadership also does help out with the flexibility of changing your mindset and that not everybody ticks the same. Right, so what, what if someone said to you, you know, opportunities come in a lifetime, at the, sometimes at the wrong time, sometimes at a time when you're thinking, oh, I want to juggle with time, with my kids and so on. Do you pass those opportunities and think they're going to come back? There has been, we have passed opportunities up in the past, yes. Um, but in saying that, having a baby, buying a house and buying a business all at once obviously shows that we don't pass up on every opportunity mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that comes. But look, sometimes it's the right time, sometimes it's the wrong time. You just got to go with your gut because your gut's always right. Well, thank you very much, Kim. I'm sure that your input will be appreciated by a lot of young mothers out there who are probably starting to think maybe I should do something to create my own future and my own security rather than rely on someone else yep. and uh, mate, I thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks Kim.